Welcome to the listener's commentary on the New Testament. Your guide is pastor and theologian Dr. John Whitaker, and the heart behind these studies is to help you better understand the text of Scripture so you can more fully live it out. It's all about helping you learn and live the Bible. Here is the book of Titus. All right, welcome to this study on the listener's commentary of Paul's letter to Titus. The letter to Titus is considered one of the pastoral epistles. That's its traditional categorization. So it is joined together with 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy as the three pastoral epistles. And yet Titus really is, uh, even though it fits that category because it's instructions to a colleague about ministry and gives guidelines for ministry in that sense being pastoral, it still is a letter that stands alone by itself with its own situation and its own backstory. And so in this recording, we are going to look at the specific backstory to Titus itself. For the backstory on the pastoral epistles in general. There is a recording for that uh, that's available for you. And then here we will look at exactly what is the situation behind the letter of Paul to Titus itself. So let's begin with the story. What's the situation? What's the story behind the letter? And the story goes something like this. It's around the year 63, 64, maybe 65. Paul has been released from his first Roman imprisonment, the one that's recorded in the book of Acts, and he has resumed his traveling ministry. But when Paul had been uh, transported to Rome for that first imprisonment, one of the stopovers on the sea voyage was the island of Crete, right in the middle of the Mediterranean, just south of Greece. And they actually spent, according to Luke's record, a good amount of time there. It's general, but it says a good amount of time was spent there in one of the cities, the city of uh, Lycia, while harbored at Fairhavens, waiting for the weather to clear in hopes that they could actually sail around the side of Crete to another harbor that would have been better for wintering. Well, that whole plan didn't work out when you read the book of Acts, and it's actually what led to Paul and all those with him being shipwrecked on the island of Malta, as recorded in Acts chapter 27 and early in 28. Uh, But the time spent there on the island of Crete before that uh, shipwreck apparently prompted in Paul a desire for further ministry there. Maybe it even laid the groundwork for it. Maybe he knowing Paul, had done some kind of initial evangelism and gospel planting work while he was a prisoner and waiting uh, to sail. And so now here he is released from that first imprisonment. It's been a few years. Paul is once again free to travel and to preach. And so at some point he decides to return to the island of Crete to carry on ministry there. And when he did that, he took along with him a longtime friend and colleague, Titus. And Titus actually seems to be the guy that Paul trusted with difficult situations. He had been heavily involved with the situation in Corinth a handful of years before, all the conflict that that entailed. And perhaps after spending some time on Crete a few years prior to this moment, Paul suspected that Crete could be a challenging place, although a profitable place for ministry. Cretans were notorious in the Greco-Roman world 
for being liars and scoundrels. So we don't know for sure, but for whatever reason, Paul decided to take Titus with him and travel to Crete and begin planting churches on the island. For some reason, again, we don't know the details, Paul had to leave Crete before the work was finished. Maybe it was his own decision. Maybe he was forced out. We don't really know. Uh, But he left before the work was finished. There had been a good start. Uh, The churches, however, lacked leadership. The churches were easy pickings for false ideas and bad behavior. So when Paul left Crete... He had Titus remain behind to continue on the work. And part of that work was going to be raising up some leaders and appointing elders in the churches. Some of it was going to be rooting out false teaching. And then he was supposed to also establish order and some good practices that would help people learn how to live godly lives. And Paul wanted to encourage Titus in this work and really to throw the weight of his apostleship behind the work. And so he writes this letter to Titus. And he wrote it while he was in the city of Nicopolis, which is about 460 miles to the north and just slightly west of Crete. Or possibly he wrote it while he was on his way there. Either way, he wants, eventually he wants Titus to come to him in Nicopolis, but first he wants him to finish the work there on the island of Crete. So that's the story. Here's the details. The author of this letter is the Apostle Paul. Paul calls himself that in chapter 1, verse 1, right at the outset. The recipient is specifically Titus, Paul's colleague in ministry, but by extension, it's also the churches on the island of Crete. This letter is going to be read in the churches. It's going to be read to really instruct them on the kinds of things they need to do and that Titus is going to help them do. It's going to give Paul's Uh, authority as an apostle to Titus's work as he continues to carry out the work on the island of Crete. So the recipient is Titus and the churches on the island of Crete. So who's Titus? Well, surprisingly, we don't know tons about Titus. In fact, he's never mentioned in the book of Acts. But he does show up in a couple of Paul's letters, particularly Galatians and 2 Corinthians as well as obviously the letter addressed to him here. And in Galatians chapter 2, 1 through 10, we do learn some things about Titus that's important. Like Titus was with Paul from very early on. Um, He had been connected with Paul since before the Jerusalem conference, and Paul brought him to the Jerusalem conference. That's about AD 50. That's even before Timothy joined Paul's ministry team. We also learn in Galatians 2, 13 that Titus was a Gentile. And in Titus chapter 1, verse 4, Paul refers to him as his son in the faith, which probably means not only that Paul loved him, but also that Paul led him to faith in Jesus. And if that's the case, it most likely happened in maybe one of the cities on the first missionary journey before Acts 15 in the Jerusalem conference, or um, maybe even earlier than that. So we don't really know exactly when Paul and Titus got connected, but we know Titus is a Gentile convert from very early on in Paul's ministry. And because he's not mentioned in Acts, we don't know all the details. We're not sure how consistently he traveled with Paul. But we do know from 2 Corinthians that in the mid-50s, so 8, 9, 10 years earlier than the the letter to Titus himself, uh, in the mid-50s, he's deeply involved with the Corinthian situation. He appears to be the guy who delivered most, if not all, of the letters to the Corinthians. And he was sent by Paul to deliver those letters and to deal with the conflict in the church, which suggests 
that Paul had a lot of confidence in Titus and that Titus maybe was wired in such a way that he was really good at dealing with difficult situations and conflict. And then after the Corinthian situation, the next time we hear about Titus is here in this letter that's addressed specifically to him. So Titus is one of the recipients and he's on the island of Crete and that's where the churches he's working with are. And so what do we know about Crete? Well, the island of Crete is a large island right in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea, just south of Greece. And uh, the locals, Cretans, they had a reputation in the ancient world for being very dishonorable people. I'm, again, it's probably a stereotype and a generalization, but it seems to at least have been, generally speaking, true. Uh, they had a reputation for being liars, for being brutish, for being lazy and immoral. In fact, in Titus chapter 1, verse 12, Paul even quotes from a famous Cretan poet, a guy named Epimenides, as saying, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons. That's a Cretan himself describing his own people. So this is sort of the reputation they had, which means Crete was really sort of, in some regards, a difficult place for ministry. And yet, as an island right in the middle of the Mediterranean, Crete was really important for trade and travel. It had several harbors and was a regular stopover when people were sailing across the Mediterranean Sea. And therefore, from Paul's perspective, even if it maybe was some difficult ground that was going to need a lot of work to get the gospel planted and rooted there, it was a perfect place for that because of all the people who would travel through the island on their sea voyages. And so Paul considered it probably a great place to plant the gospel. Now, when was the letter of Titus written? Well, once again, we don't know all the exact details, but most likely it appears to have been written after Paul's first Roman imprisonment uh, and before his second Roman imprisonment. So right around the same time as 1 Timothy, maybe around 63 or 64, 65-ish, somewhere in that time period. And Paul had spent some time on Crete in about 60 on his way to his first imprisonment. And so now that he's out and free to travel again, that's what leads to ministry there. And then that's what leads to this letter being written to there. So we're guessing sometime around the kind of early to mid 60s is when Titus was written. And why did Paul write the letter? Well, as noted above, he and Titus had worked together for a long time, and they had worked together on this specific project of planting churches on the island of Crete. And then Paul had to leave for some reason, not sure why, and leave Titus behind. And Paul's plan is to head north to the city of Nicopolis, which is about 460-ish miles uh, up north. And he wants Titus eventually to come there, but first he needs Titus to finish the work, kind of shore things up in the churches there. And so that's really why he writes the letter. He's uh, going to send somebody to replace Titus in a little while, but before that happens, he's expecting Titus to really get those churches at least more fully rooted and grounded to appoint some elders. And so Titus chapter one has some instructions for elders. It's one of the two letters of Paul that actually gives some criteria for elders. The other one is first Timothy. He wants Titus to impart some practices for good order in the church and for forming godly habits and godly manners of living. So he wants uh, Titus to help set some things up for that. And then not only that, it's clear from the letter that there were also some 
maybe false believers, some people who are claiming to be Christians who are teaching things contrary to sound, healthy gospel teaching. So he wants Titus to confront that, address that, root that out, and get these churches just really planted on solid footing with good leadership before he leaves. And one of Paul's clear concerns in the letter about all of this is the reputation and the credibility of the gospel, that the ungodliness that's going on in the church, some of the false ideas that are uh, infiltrating the church, those things are threatening to do damage to the gospel's reputation, to Jesus' reputation on the island. And Paul wants to put an end to that, uh, inculcate some godliness and good habits uh, to pass on sound teaching so that the gospel can have a really solid, good reputation on the island of Crete. So before we leave the backstory, let me just give a quick overview to the contents of the letter. For a more detailed overview, I encourage you to check out the Bible Project's video on uh, kind of their overview of the letter to Titus. I'll put a link to that in the study hub and on the website so that you can check that out as well. But uh, Paul, after a general introduction in chapter 1, 1 through 4, in which he sort of forecasts some of the major themes of the letter, from there, Paul immediately jumps into uh, urging Titus to appoint leaders, elders, uh, in the churches, and he gives uh, some qualifications for that that boil down to men of faithful, blameless character who can actually teach the truth and refute false teaching. So he wants Titus to uh, appoint leaders like that. And then he uh, calls out the Cretans themselves and the nature of Crete, some of the things that are infiltrating the church, saying that uh, there are people who are liars and who are disobedient to the faith and, and they, they must be addressed, they must be confronted and corrected. Then from there, Paul actually, in chapter 2, uh, verses 1 through 10, he gives some instructions about godly character and what that's going to look like, particularly for different age groups and what the responsibilities of different age groups in the churches are. And so he has some instructions for older men and younger men, for older women, younger women. And all of that's to provide some good order where there can be sort of a plan for helping people learn what proper Christian living looks like. And then he gives sort of an appeal. He says that uh, in the gospel, salvation has come to us, and salvation actually calls us to godliness. And so out of that, at the beginning of chapter 3, he reminds the Christians that they need to be obedient, obedient to their authorities, obedient to God. Um, and that's in keeping with God's grace and God's salvation. And so from there, he urges Titus to continually speak these things, teach these things, watch out for useless controversies and discussions, but speak these things about godliness and how salvation calls us to good order and godliness so that God's people will do good deeds. And that's one of the things that Paul is really concerned with in this letter, is that God's people will live good lives and do good deeds because it'll bring a good reputation to the gospel. Then he signs off the letter in 3, 12 through 15, encouraging Titus uh, to come before winter. That's his plan. He's going to send someone to replace him, come to him in Nicopolis before winter, if at all possible. And then once again, restates and make sure God's people do good deeds. And then he signs off the letter. And that, in a nutshell, is this short letter of Titus. And so it's a very short letter, but it's got a very power-packed message 
for the original audience and for us today in that it encourages God's people to be the kind of people that exhibit godly character by doing good deeds right in the towns where they live. And that is the backstory to Paul's letter to Titus. Thanks for tuning in to this session of the Listener's Commentary on the letter to Titus. The Listener's Commentary is a listener-supported, crowdfunded Bible teaching ministry that is made possible by the generosity of people just like you. So thanks a ton to those of you who make this ministry possible by your faithful prayers and your faithful financial support. And if you have been impacted by the Listener's Commentary in any sort of way, could I just ask you to prayerfully consider if God might be leading you to support this ministry as well. Um, As this ministry continues to expand, the needs for financial support and admin support continue to grow as well. And uh, any gifts you give would be used uh, faithfully to expand the reach of this ministry so that more people could learn and live the Bible. So thanks a ton for your support. May God bless you for it.